Hey guys, it's Spadoodle. Uh, you can always go to davidspade.com to look at my tour dates because I bless a lot of cities in America with my hilarious stand-up act. Or you could not go to it and get on my enemy list. Up to you. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water and <laughs> okay. mow, and they'll do the rest. No. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that, so you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. <laughs> I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let TrueGreen do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust TrueGreen to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, TrueGreen. You're nailing it. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have, ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women, I thought, I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm, a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, a French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users. 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Mot Arabic. Arabic you know, Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know Hastu Zweister, now Abra, no, Hastu Bruder, now nine Abra Cabra Zweister. That means, have, do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. What does that mean? That means bless you. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit! Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm-hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly in the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm-hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. What we have here today is Michael McKeon, and a lot of people know him. He's in so many things. I have a, a, a thing with him because we did do some SNL together. We did do a few years together, or maybe one year, but we talk about that. I think he clarifies that up because I'm stupider than most people. And we also did the Coneheads movie. Oh, applause. A few people in the back remember it? The Conan's movie, which had so many cameos in it of SNL people, you cannot even, I'm not even SNL, just stars. Uh, we talk about that. He was on Better Call Saul, did that. He's everywhere. And, and of course, the headliner is he does uh, Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, if you don't know, is one of the all-time great comedies of all time. I think that's fair to say it's one of the, one of the biggies. And we do have some laughs. He's a great dude. And I had a uh, great Conehead story for him that he did not know. And that's it. So listen in. You'll know him when you see him. If you don't recognize the name right off the bat, but he's done so much more than all of us put together. Uh, here he is, Michael McKean. Dana, I'm going to start with Michael, and I'm going to ask him a question that he gets too much because he's been in a lot of stuff, but of course, Mm -hmm. people focus way too much on coneheads. Now, when we <laughs> we I, were I was so heads. sure you were going to say Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh, damn, so nice. We were in Coneheads together. Yeah. Michael was a lovely man to work with, and mm-hmm. it was one of my first movies, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun in it because it was new. Michael had done so many things, but I think he still had a good time. I did have a good time. And do you remember anything uh, anything from that experience other than there were a lot of celebrity cameos, if you look back? Well, we weren't there for most of the celebrity cameos. Right. Uh, you know, right. I, I I had mostly I had scenes with with you and uh, Dan. And, and once we got to the planet, we were, you know, in our underwear with the little <laughs> the collars on our necks and stuff. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. They it, it it was an immigration movie that I never even picked up on that part. No, of no, no, me neither. <laughs> but uh, it was I, just we were the we were the NSA guys. 
I think it's a pretty funny movie, actually. I think some great stuff in it. And I, I think Dan's, Dan's commission to that character was so total. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of knew him mm-hmm. from the TV sketches, but he was really that guy in so many ways because he was, Dan is kind of an, kind of an, uh, an anal retentive. I think, you know, he's really attention to detail, not in a bad way. I mean, in a very, very good way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember shooting one scene where we had just landed on the planet and he was telling his, uh, he was telling his, you know, his superiors, uh, Dave Thomas and the rest of them, telling him about, you all know, right. so, so and so. And we shot it all morning and we went to lunch and we came back and we continued shooting this coverage of the same scene, the same speech. And about an hour and a half in, he goes, oh, God damn it. Oh, God damn it. I'm not wearing the gloves. Oh, I'm not wearing the fucking oh. gloves, Robert. And suddenly we got, oh, well, we just <laughs> flushed two, two hours down the toilet. <laughs> and he was like, he was so apologetic about it and everything. It was like, dude, okay, you know, go again. But I remember that guy, it was really, he's a, such a clear-eyed guy, you know? And uh, it mm. was a very atypical moment. Like he wrote Dragnet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Funniest thing in Dragnet is... Uh, Kathleen, what's her name? They go to interview this woman. It's like the wife of this guy who's disappeared. Oh my God. Or the landlady. Do you know what I'm talking? Kathleen Freeman. And she has one speech. Okay. And it's the funniest thing in the movie by such a long chalk. I I look for it (laughs) when I can. It's great. Anyway, I'm a living non sequitur here. You guys are trying to, you're trying to corral me. Not at all. We're we're just trying to get our touchstones with you. Here's one of mine very quickly. Okay. Okay. So like early eighties, for some reason, Billy Crystal and I had the same manager. I don't know how it happened, but I went in to meet with Rob Reiner, you, Harry Shear, Christopher Guest to play the drummer in Spinal Tap. Okay. You probably don't remember, but here's what happened. I I came in and I was nervous, obviously, and you guys were so comfortable with each other. And I go, this is not awkward. I'm coming here as the lone wolf and you guys are all friends and I have to walk in here. And so I think maybe it was you who just said, okay, let's go. So then you all immediately left the office. <laughs> Everyone cleared it out and I sat in there for like a minute. And then you guys came in. That's just a gag that, you know, now you're entering my world. <laughs> I don't remember You couldn't that. remember it, but that happened. No. Do you remember well, me in the movie? I played a mime waiter. Oh, I yeah. I remember the meeting and I remember, I thought you were coming in. I, I had remembered that you came in to be this tap fan who follows us around around the country. That was a, ca- oh, okay. a part that we were casting. And we thought you came across as a little intelligent, a little sophisticated and not, not goony enough. So we said, we really? said, well, oh, thank we you. started <laughs> doing the other. No, listen, we, let me tell you who we did cast and then not use was Eddie Deason. Ring any bells? Okay. Oh, Eddie he was in Greece. The he? Eddie Deason? The Eddie Deason. And he, uh, when he found out that we didn't have a script and that he would have to improvise, he said, uh, pass. So we pretty much cut the character. But you were, you, we impressed, mm. you were, very very impressive and so we said this guy's really funny and when we were putting together the uh you know billy's the the mime thing 
um, which, mm-hmm. you know, which was something that was written in. So can he be one of the mimes? He'd be great. And so that's what we did. We did that a lot. We saw a lot of people and they, they didn't, you know, we didn't quite, we were shooting blind, but we also, we found a lot of the characters that weren't even in. You, your character didn't exist until we saw you, put it that way. That's a good thing. Uh, mine is, is mine. It's very, those things are memorable at that age. You know, the kind of a thing that intrigues me was uh, the, the different British accents you guys did and how accurate they were. Or like <laughs> Kevin Pollack and I, we did a British accent for like years whenever we see each other. We played blackjack in Tahoe and tried to trick the dealer doing some combo. Yours is very specific. <laughs> Christopher's very specific. And Harry. Yeah. But how did you come to yours, your guy? Because I've was i been looking at some uh, YouTube videos of Spinal Tap, and it's immaculate. Yeah. Chris is, is uh, legitimate because he grew up, his father was British. And he spent a lot of time. It was like every summer they would go to uh, they would go to the UK, and he he kind of you know he he knew those things. He's got a great ear anyway, so I just kind of fell into the same line as him. I we you know he would he would go on, and then we would we had a lot of time to prepare. You got to understand when we started working on this thing, it was 1979. We didn't shoot until '82, and during because we kept you know running out of studios. And so by the time we actually shot it, we had had a real good run at rehearsing how we sound. And Harry brought something different. Harry's, you know, he, he's kind of a, a fictional uh, northerner, you know, somewhere unspecific. We always said, well, we're South London, you know, that's kind of what we were going for. So we just, it's just kind of getting, mm-hmm. getting good with it. Um, I'm really rusty at it now. And never breaking it. Done the, like, you you no. would just do it all day, right? No, you just go um, in and out. But I remember when you guys walked on the set and I had not seen you in the full regalia and you were all w- walking around doing your accents. <laughs> and it was pretty stunning. It's like, uh, oh, oh, there are those guys. You know, it was pretty well, potent, you, the three of you. You remember that we had some actual Brits on the set, or one anyway, who was, uh, well, the two guys in the band, the, the you know, um, uh, Mr. Shrimpton and uh, Mr. Caff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also had Patrick McNee, the amazing Patrick McNee. Is he from, from the is he from f- the Avengers? Avengers? Yeah, oh yes. Patrick McNee. He was, that's another oh, oh, wow. Pat- he's okay. uh Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's uh eaten hog, as they say. <laughs> I love <laughs> oh, all is the he names. your boss or something? Sir Dennis Eaton Hogg. He's the guy who runs the studio, yeah. So, uh, yeah. and, and who was your manager? Was he really English? Yeah. Oh, Tony Hendra. Tony Hendra is a really interesting yeah. character. Mm-hmm. He's, he's was with the uh, Cambridge circus and he, and uh, got another Englishman named Nick Ullett used to have a, a, a you know, a, a two hander <laughs> act. And then he worked, he worked for the lampoon, a lot of the lampoon stuff, uh, mm-hmm. radio dinner and, and, uh, a lot of those, the broadcasts and on the magazine, a difficult man in a lot of ways. He, he died about five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can talk about him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 I was watching it last night again, obviously Michael, everyone's seen it. That's has anything to do with comedy. And one of those ones, everyone pretty much worships, uh, 
I won't make you say it. I'll say it. They all worship it. We can say and, it uh, for you. The first time people <laughs> yeah. improvise on film in long form was Spinal Tap. It spawned an entire industry, which because it's so yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mean, potent. obviously, it's probably a combo, but you can tell scenes that go along into where you probably just bullshit for a while and take out what works. I'm guessing, but goddamn, some good stuff. Well, they they, they uh, Rob liked a, a rule of three. If you don't get it in three. And that's, you know, three times improvising a scene, kind of knowing what worked last time and, you know, going there. Mm -hmm. And then Rob directing mm -hmm. the, the camera around a couple of different angles and so that it's, it's cuttable. And that's kind of the way it worked. And uh, I mean, some things we never heard, we never saw coming. And they just, you know, mm -hmm. when... Uh, when Ian says that uh, says that Janine dresses like an Australian's nightmare, we just said that's a brilliant line. No one could have written that line. It was just it was just you know, yeah. <laughs> you got me thinking about Tony. You know, see, I saw my our boss uh, Fran Drescher. Do you remember that Dana at the beginning? Uh, Fran Drescher absolutely. was PR. She was great. Yes, yes mm -hmm. I do. Of course, she was Bobby Fleckman, and uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you give a character a name, then they become real. That's just, it's got to right, have the name. Right. You know? <laughs> but to this day, the one reference I always have, and David probably has, when you're playing a gig, doing stand-up, and you get lost backstage, which is more common than you think. And I go, I go this oh, is yeah, Spinal yeah. Tap. We're in Spinal Tap right now. Yep. Happens a few times a year. That was a, an inspired scene as well, just because it's happened well, so many mm -hmm. times. Where's the stage? Uh, Jeff Beck told us that he did a gig with at the Apollo. It was BB King's 75th or whatever the, the thing was. And that Beck and Clapton got lost under the stage at the Apollo. And they did have that moment <laughs> where they looked at each other. Well, we're in that fucking movie now. So any story that starts with Beck and Clapton, I could listen to a for a long time. <laughs> yeah. We just saw. Yeah, we, uh, can uh, we talk about your music? I mean, Oh, yeah. you just saw okay. Clapton? Um, no, I we saw uh, Chris and I went to see Jeff Beck about a year ago. It was right before he died, mm -hmm. and uh, he played a, a gig here. And it was, you know, I had seen him a bunch of times, and I was old enough to be a Yardbirds fan, you know, all through all three of their guitarists. And uh, so I, you know, these guys. Uh, it was, it was amazing to see him and he just, he just got better and better, invented his own ways of playing the guitar and it was pretty cool. I'll send you a cool snap of me and Chris and Jeff and, uh, Johnny Depp, who also was on the, on the bill that night. It was kind of a cool night. Yeah. So Beck, Beck put down the flat pick, played with his thumb and then used his index finger to do the vibrato and, yeah. uh. My, I, I had a brother who was a fanatic for Beck. So he, we were seeing Beck, all, me and my friends in the 70s all the time. Beck Bogard and Carmen Apice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was Carmen an intense Apice. trio. You know, those. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. was three guys going at it, you know. But yeah. with you, it's, it's a, just a lane that you're in as a, as a songwriter, a musician, and you won an Academy Award for Mighty Win, right? That no, was the. I, or no, got I, I, no, I won it. Not nominated. A kiss at the end of the rainbow was nominated. That I wrote with Annette. 
how did that song come about? Because for anyone listening who wants to look that up on YouTube, A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, it's honestly, it's so beautiful. I mean, the melody is stunning. I mean, did you, did you start with just guitar chords and then have Annette come in and sing the melody? How do you get a song like no. that? Because it's well, it's we were. Pretty... It was kind of an it was kind of an assignment because we had written uh, Annette and I had written a, a song for the movie called "Potatoes in the Paddy Wagon," which the uh, New Main Street singers do, <laughs> and um, <laughs> of course, and uh, <laughs> so. Chris said, yeah, that's great. And we, had, Chris and I had been writing songs and Eugene and, and Chris and I have been writing songs and everybody individually writing. And um, so Chris said, you want to have a crack at this? We need a love song that maybe has a reference to a kiss in it because it's going to be this whole thing about these this couple, the Mitch and Mickey couple, and, and are they going to get back together again? And they had this famous kiss thing they did. So we just kind of started started working on it we wanted something that sounded like uh it could have been a really old song that it, it could have been from 100 years ago or mm. written by you know tin pan alley folk song writers uh but it was sort of you know it's mm -hmm. kind of inspired by just the simplicity of it and so we 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 played it for chris and he said yeah i maybe kind of wanted something that has more like a joke in it has you know, that's kind of a funny, this is very straight. And he really liked the song, but he said, and and so Jamie heard it, his wife, Jamie, and she said, no, no, you're using that one. That's That doesn't need a joke. It, it has a life. And it, it, Chris used it beautifully in the movie. And uh, so that was great. Um, yeah. So we just, we work in a lot of different ways. There's a sincerity and a sweetness to that film. Well, I, I agree. I agree. You know, Chris and I are, are roughly the same age. And when we were 13, 14, that's when the folk thing kind of hit. And mm -hmm. we all got guitars and Chris got a mandolin, actually. I, I didn't know him at this time. But uh, I've known Chris since, since 19, holy shit. I've known Chris since 1967. And we actually roomed together for a while because he's he's enigmatic and and um, uh, in many ways. But go ahead, I just uh, you're friends with yeah. him, so I mean he's, he's yeah no we've been he's he's good friends for a long he's time. He's brilliant. just he's an unusual yeah. he's an unusual guy, and it's kind of one of the things that's great about him is that he's exactly who he is. Uh, he's not, I don't know, he's not terribly. Uh, he doesn't go out and promote himself. You know, if he has something to sell, he'll find some way to really kind of subtly do it. He's just not that, that, that guy. He's the funniest man in the world, but you kind of got to <laughs> either be on the set with him or, you know, or know him. He's just, uh, yeah, no, he's just, he's a remarkable guy, very intelligent. He's got the same obsession with shitty old show business that I do. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of my friends do. Uh, what know, era? Just, well, any era, really. And that was the trouble. We've been working together. The four of us have been working together. Last year, we did a lot. And then the strike happened. We had to kind of settle down. So we started working on this new project. And we figured we spent about 85% of every day just looking up the Eddie Cantor gift shop in Encino, you know, it's all this shit. It's just like, it's an endless supply of old crap show business. It's, uh, it's, it's just wonderful. So he shares in that and, and, uh, and he's, uh, 
he and I are kind of co-religionists as far as that goes. Um, yeah, yeah, he's something. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Are there old actors that you guys are obsessed by? <laughs> old actors like John Wayne or uh, mm-hmm. Errol Flynn or like which, which are the ones that because um, I'm obsessed with John Wayne with a friend, you know? Yeah, I've, I've always been a Boris Karloff guy. I always thought he was great. And I always thought he didn't he didn't get much recognition as being a really good actor. And he really was. It was just his, you know, his groove was kind of on the limited side. But he was he was great. I loved him. (laughs) And he played Frankenstein, right? He was the original Frankenstein. He was the original Frankenstein monster. And he did it in Bride of Frankenstein. He wasn't that big as a person, was he? Yeah. He was he was probably six he was probably six feet, but they they jacked him up on those okay. boots. You know he's Pumped yeah because he's oh. immense. Yeah, fire back. Yeah, so I could play Frankenstein. Uh, no, here my question <laughs> for Michael was: He was on the show uh, SNL. We're jumping back to SNL. You were on I think my year. I don't. I think Dana was gone, but you did one full year, and I also saw a monologue from nineteen eighty five. It was really funny. Oh yeah, with with Dana, he he comes out and he and you're hosting and you go. I don't really do all this stuff, so I just thought I'm not really a stand-up comedian, so I thought I would do an 18th century Scottish acapella dirge. <laughs> so he starts singing and he starts getting heckled, and uh, and uh, you remember who's heckling such a weird me? One that uh, now they didn't show it, did they? Yeah, it's Larry David. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't oh. see that because it went away. Yeah. Oh, because at the end he goes, "Hey Hamlet, where's <laughs> <Where> Squiggy?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought this is such a weird one. Oh, I love it because I go, I thought it was Squiggy or someone. I thought, yeah. oh, who's going to be yelling? <laughs> and uh, that's great. By the way, I grew so up on goddamn. Is it true, right in that era, squiggy, that you so. were offered to go in there when with Billy and those guys did their year? Yeah, uh, with Martin yeah. Short, Christopher Guest. And you and you you turn that down or, yeah, at the time, yeah, and yeah. I had just uh, I had just well I you know what it just wasn't wasn't the best time to be moving just to New happened. York, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know okay. I I I kind of wanted to do movies more, and I started doing films. Uh, I listen. I had many many second thoughts about it, 
But my, my then wife had a child on the way. We had just bought a new house and it was just not the time to be spending it's, weeks and weeks. It's not, it's a disruptive show. It's not. Yeah. 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 No, I was, I was a working actor. You know, I, I think mm. in 1985 when I did host and we did the Folksman for the first time, which, you know, we later expanded into the Mighty Wind stuff. Um, I, I think at that time, uh, one time was really fun. And I don't know whether that season would have, I, there were so many people on that season. I mean, it was Billy, it was um, uh, Rich Hall, it was, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, they, they were just, it was a huge cast. You know, and Marty, rightfully so, mm -hmm. was the the breakout guy there. And you know, but other things happened. It was it, there were a lot of there's a lot of angst in that uh, in that season. I'm not sorry I didn't do it, and I'm glad I did when I did. It was a really interesting time. I knew in 1994 that I was being hired because Phil Hartman was leaving the show, and they needed someone to play. Uh, well, David Spade's dad. His author. <laughs> they, needed someone, they needed someone who was yeah. remarkably older than these these hungry kids I was surrounded yeah. by. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. you know. Your Stern was very good, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that, was, that was fun. Because you know what you did with Stern, which I hadn't heard? You laugh like this. Yeah, it's a, boo, boo. I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I remember. Well, it's, yeah, it's and I think he talked Island. about it because, of course, he was freaked out. It's kind of a Long Island guffaw. You know, you got you got to grow up on Long Island. You get to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. It was there kind of is. a new one from Who does Stern. Tom yeah, Skerritt? Tom, they say you did Tom Skerritt <laughs> from, from- You uh, do? From Tom Alien. Tom Skerritt. I didn't. Was he in- oh, Yeah, he was. Well, I, you're listed- your listen is doing Adam West. <laughs> I, I don't know. If yeah, I did true. do Adam West okay, one time. Where I got this list. That was the only time I was on Update. Oh, you did on Update? The only time I ever did Adam West. It was the only time I ever did Update. I had pitched another character who was a guy who was a kind of a spiritualist to the stars and talked about who's, who's <laughs> having sex in heaven. It was my thing. And nice. I made I we made a mistake. No, it was actually pretty funny. I did it at the table, and it was it was it was kind of good. Uh, but I I mentioned Hume Cronin, who had been married to Jessica Tandy, who had just died. So I did a Jessica Tandy joke, and Lorne uh, and Lorne was like, mm, yeah, too soon. Well, he was oh. kind of too soon, but he's also Hume Cronin's a friend of his because he's Canadian and in show business. So anyway, I he, he told me since I you know if, if you haven't got a better joke, maybe we'll do it another time. So we we blew it off. Anyway, whatever. Never never how, take that deal. How well did you know Lauren? How well did you know Lauren when you came on in '94? Well, I had met him in '75 casually, or well, in 1975 when they were putting together the original show. We uh, I knew I knew Chevy, and I knew we knew Franken and Davis. And the credit, when I say we, it was the credibility gap, me and Harry Shearer and David Lander. And we were in town mm -hmm. <laughs> doing the doing the Tomorrow Show, the Tom Snyder Show. Harry did a brilliant Tom Snyder. So we were All on right, the Tom Snyder Show doing our, doing our Tom Snyder sketch. And so around that time, they were just getting started with, um, with SNL. And we knew some of those guys. 
So we hung out and we, you know, kind of met all these people. Um, I knew a lot of people who knew Lauren at the time, but I didn't work with him until Conehead's. And uh, oh, welcome yeah. aboard. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> Wait, best, my Michael, before we was, go on. Yeah. yeah <laughs> go, go ahead. No. I was gonna say my favorite thing was there is that that extra mile that Lauren I don't do a Lauren Michaels, but there's an, an extra mile he goes sometimes to make sure you know who you're talking to. And <laughs> it's it's very subtle. It's very subtle. And he was always very sweet to me. And I I, you know, I I, I got nothing but good stuff for him. But he did do this. He um <laughs> I, I was up for another show. I had offered been offered a show which was a spinoff of the um, Murphy Brown show, okay? You got to stay with me. And Diane, somebody who was the creator of, of the Murphy Brown English. show. English. Diane English, thank you very much. She had this new show and she, want, she wanted me to do it. And so I had an offer for that while I was you know, talking to the SNL people. And so L Lauren called me directly and he told me, he said, to, now, what about this other show? This, this, uh, it was a messenger service show. What about, what, what are you going to do about that? And I said, oh, well, how did you know about that? And he said, Louis Mal told me. <laughs> now, Louis Mal, this French <laughs> filmmaker who was married to Candy Bergen. All <laughs> right. Who was doing Murphy Brown. Oh. So it's like he, <laughs> he kind of went to Europe. For the for the killing, yeah, Louis. It's all Louis can talk about is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael, we're not hearing so good hard. things about it. Yeah. Anyway, it might not be. So I said, I've no, heard I'll... it's got some problems. <laughs> I said I want to do SNL, and he said, okay, so that was that. Rewind it back to the days of chill accent on the beach and all day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prices could be huge. New players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code FOTW to book your one way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted-in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one-time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it. Price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. 
They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go, Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah. We're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant. And it's like, <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue nile.com today that's blue nile.com okay so i'm jumping back to the cone heads we didn't finish talking about it enough for me but what happened was there was a story that dana doesn't even know i don't think where i was nervous new movie uh you know, we're in our boxers and t-shirts for, we play NSA agents day. And I don't want to give the whole movie away, yeah. mm-hmm. but we play NSA yeah, agents. No, I'm, I've teed it up for tonight's <laughs> yeah. entertainment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the coneheads are immigrants. So we're trying to get them deported. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even, I don't understand the movie, but so <laughs> I just do my lines. And uh, so no one, does. one day, Louis widow. you know, I'm scared on this movie and I got Michael and Michael's a uh, great, uh, fun to work we were a team in it we were yeah. agents together so michael one day i'm in the trailer and uh you know i have to wear my boxers and the t-shirt and i said to the pa i go hey man when he came to get me i said don't tell anyone this but <laughs> this is so nuts this is pure innocence i go i do have chicken pox but <laughs> i it's covering my shirt. My shirt and boxers are covering it so I can still do the scene. I just don't want everyone to weird out about it. And he goes, oh, cool. Hang on a second. Two seconds later, boop, shutting down the set. Everyone go home. I was like, what's, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm like, why? What happened? The original COVID. God damn. Wow. Chicken pox, folks. You didn't get it as a kid? You're in your 30s Late in the game. Pox? I was 27, I think. And I, and I had a. Have you got your shingle shot or? Uh, no, it'll, it'll come I, back. It's dormant. We'll talk. No, later. It was so yeah. weird that I had it. Michael and, and I only, are up to speed on that. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. I didn't really, I probably infected everyone. It was too late, but we lost the day of production. I and don't someone remember told me that, that was a hundred thousand dollars. It's I, my fault. I don't remember that. I do remember when, when they wouldn't let, uh, Dan's, uh, Dan had a couple of friends on motorcycles come to hang out of the set. 
and they wouldn't let him in the gate because they didn't have the whatever, you know. And so they called, he's on the set, and they called him, you know, and they said, yeah, I'll, oh, I'll say, yeah, they're okay, they're okay. I mean, and then they called again. He said, they won't let us in, they won't let us in. So he tore off his head. He tore off his No. Head. Yes, he did. And he shut, he sh yeah, yeah. It was just like, he really, really lost it. And he went out there to the booth in his ripped off head and be berated the guard. It was, it was a great day. You let these hell's angels in right now. <laughs> okay. I mean, God no, dang. I gotta tell you, you love, I mean, we, we love Dan Aykroyd, but one thing so interesting about you is how much stuff you've done and they just keep going. Cause I dare anyone to go on YouTube, put in Lenny and Squiggy yeah. from Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. And you'll see Michael McKean and then put, put on, uh, Chuck McGill, the quote worst man of the world on Better Call Saul. I mean, Smart. The ranges, even to you, you must look at it and go, it's pretty. Yep. Well, Which one is your adoring touchstone between those two? Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming I'm like Spade. Currently, Better Call Saul is pretty recent. I'm like Spade. I just I do my lines. Take the fifth. No, no, <laughs> and you get out of it. That's true. No, well, it. it, it, it Really early on, I I really liked, I liked people who came on a different way for every show, everything that they did. People who had, you know, who were really, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least you see a lot of a lot of great entertainers are, are people who can be a lot of different things. Jim Carrey can mm -hmm. be the broadest comic in the world, but he can also work real small, and he's a good dramatic actor. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it's it, it's just because mm -hmm. he's he's clear on what he's doing uh so anyway i just try and i try and stay clear without the use of scientology uh you know when they say like on laverne and shirley michael they go <laughs> i can't believe we have all this stinky garbage and then hello, hello you guys walk yeah. in i was like are they doing this on purpose they keep walking in at the worst times because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was a kid i'm like this this is accidentally really funny that they say something horrible yeah. and then these two idiots well, they were so aggressive and, so and suddenly funny. it was always a laugh like some they're so sure of themselves they would <laughs> yeah. come in and just wreak havoc and then leave there was no real i mean that that's just broad you know that show really popped as they that say i mean it felt lively well it was and funny and we only and shot it then, once we only shot it once just at a time. One, one take never, in front of an audience? Never, yes. And it was because it was on film. It was three cameras. And they didn't even have monitors. Mm -hmm. They weren't even, they didn't even have the six pack that they that they do now or the four pack. Oh. It was literally the only guy yeah. who saw it, the only guy who saw it, uh, saw something like a four pack was the camera coordinator. And everyone else is just these people who grew up. And they, you know, Sheldon, Sheldon Leonard, the guy who kind of, sophisticated the three camera system after desi arnaz and carl friend invented it with know? desi arnaz yeah 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 mm -hmm. and we were on those stages and so it was all based in those days on just being funny lively and they just knew they had it and do that they just went yeah. for the feeling of it rehearse it, than... rehearse it like a play and do it like a play mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know the last pilot i did uh the last pilot i did never again uh was about 15 years ago and we literally shot the first scene of the pilot nine times in front of a studio audience 
shot yeah, it boy. nine times while the development people were going, I got a better one. I got a better joke here. How about he did? Uh, so you're having these mini rewrites on this thing Ugh. as you go. Yeah. And by the oh. audience never wants to fucking see you again after nine, nine yeah. takes of that. <laughs> and we shot until two in the morning and we wound up paying our extras for another day to sit in the audience oh, and laugh wow. at the stuff that we were doing for the 11th <laughs> time. So you can't Ugh. make anything good that way. It can't uh, be done. Gross. Yeah. So what Too we- Too many cooks, yeah. yeah. No, no, it would it was strangle grim. it. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. I only did one movie yeah. without it's, playback. It's the worst. And, yeah. uh, and it was sort of, I didn't realize it was the last of, kind of the good old days. They watched it, it was in frame, and they, had a, they didn't know if there was a light flare, they didn't play it back. They just said, that felt good, let's move on. And you're like, got yeah. it. And it seemed to work. And now that's almost too much going back, too much replay, too much. Let's look at it again. Let's look at it Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Yeah. Because everyone gets a vote, especially if it's a pilot. Uh, everyone you yeah. know, says, hey. Do one for the uh, assistant here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they won't let us say Jesus. We'll maybe just we'll get it. Every, we'll get. Tw- oh, yeah. Do a different. Do an so, alt. Well, I was on a show called Dream On, which was kind of a titty show on, on HBO. Ah. And uh, I did a I did a. Well, a number of the those. show. Well, that's what it was. <laughs> that's why I watched it. Yeah. I know. I didn't know. I thought I was alone. Yeah. No, no. You probably were alone when you were watching it. Most people. <laughs> yes, <were>. that's true. <laughs> Would you lock the door? <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, leave the ice cream out there. We used to do. We used to do alternate takes, and there was one. My character had only one ball. And there was an episode about that, about his inadequate feelings of inadequacy. And so I was ranting about, I said, you know, I, I said, the kids at school, they'd say, here he comes, here he comes, Johnny One Nut. And that was the line that was going to go in. And they said, no, we need an alternate. So they wrote me an alternate. I looked at it and I said, eh, that may be funnier. But I didn't tell Brian, I didn't tell Brian Ben Ben, the guy I was working with. I didn't tell him it was yeah. coming up. So we're going to do the alt take. And I said, well, here he comes, Mr. Singleton, <laughs> which is arguably funnier than Johnny won that. Yeah. It's a little and he, yeah. yeah. He, he fell apart. It was, it was a good laugh, but we couldn't use it. Was anyway. Wendy Malik on with you? <laughs> Wendy was. Great, greatest eyebrows in show business. Oh, Wendy's Fantastic. so Fantastic. Oh, she's awesome. Boy, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Who um, is Fred Willard um, just one of the funniest performers of all time i think or i uh, don't like definitely. him much. <laughs> no i adore Fred. there's something quirky about him almost like norm no mcdonald kidding. you can't quite put your finger on <laughs> what what is going on there yeah you know it's brilliant but it's just sort of like tilted i remember fernwood tonight was the first time i got familiar with yeah. fred willard oh man and it was just something about he's all the character of fred was smiling a lot and had this, I don't know why, how, it must have been fun just hanging out with that he guy. He was great. Well, in 1975. <laughs> he loved you. Yeah. In 1975, uh, he, there was a, a, com- a group called the Ace Trucking Company. And it was Fred Willard, Billy Saluga, Mike Mislove, and George Memoli. You can find some of their stuff, not a ton of it online, but you can find some of it. And um, I, George and, well, the, the group broke up. They still had three dates in the Midwest that they wanted to get if they could. So Fred and George Memoli hired me and David and Harry, who were the credibility gap at the time, 
hired us to go on the road, do some of our stuff and learn some Ace Trucking Company stuff and kind of make it like it's a whole act. So we were kind of in the Ace Trucking Company there for a little while. And Fred was, he's not like any other guy. He's not like any other guy. He said one time, he said, uh, we were checking in to this hotel in Chicago. And he said to the guy, he said, yeah, uh, it's not near the elevator, is it? And the guy said, no, no, your, your room is not. So we're going up to the rooms and I said, you, you, why do you specify not near the elevator? He said, oh, it's the bell. I mean, when the bell goes off, you know, when the elevator hits on the floor, I can't stand that. I have really good hearing. I can't sleep with that bell going every night. And I said, oh, that's, that's, he says, yeah, well, sometimes if I get a room near the, uh, the bell, near the elevator, I will go and disable the bell. I said, what? Yeah, I know how to do I, huh? I travel with tools. So he has this little toolkit and he would <laughs> disable the bell and he would, re he would hook it up again when we left in the morning. And I said, do you really do that every time? They he says, one wow. time, he said, one time I had to disable the one on the floor above and the floor below because I could still hear those. <laughs> so well, he's a man quirky. in control of his own life. <laughs> And he also had a window, he had a window on a whole nother world <laughs> that we just can't see from here. He was really fucking awesome. Yeah, he, he's, that dude's yeah. a crack but it's funny, I mean, he must have looked around, almost like a Peter Sellers movie, when he had the tools, like looked around the hallway to make no one, and, oh, yeah. and had to get the elevator to stop to get in there. I mean, it was yeah. a James Bondian or whole some thing. kind of- Yeah, yeah. There's a whole- lead, Mission lead. Impossible. yeah. What's the quirkiest thing about you, David? David Spade. Oh, we're, get a get a pen. I'm so nuts. <laughs> but um, I think Michael got me at a Michael got me at a pretty crazy time because SNL. I was probably losing my mind a little bit, and then I go into Coneheads, which was a little more contained. One time, Michael, we had a. Why do I keep having? All I remember is Coneheads. <laughs> But one time yeah, you were we, in underwear, right? Oh, the, <laughs> and they you had chicken pox. No, I'm running around, obviously had chicken pox probably the whole year. And they said, obviously. they go, uh, you have an extra scene in Coneheads where you're in a van listening. Maybe Michael wasn't in it, but the, it was during a show week. And they said, you have to fly back for it. So I do like read through. And then Thursday I fly uh a red can i take a red eye to la i took a red eye somewhere wow. anyway i took a red eye because letterman was on my flight and he said part of the story is the story's long he said they the, the stewardess goes should i wake you for uh honey buns and i said no i'm gonna try to sleep and i didn't know letterman and then he went to the bathroom and when he came out he goes <laughs> should i wake you for honey buns i never talked in my <laughs> life and uh hilarious and then i get there <laughs> i go straight to the set letterman word maybe no i think it was a 6 a.m flight anyway so i fly out there i sleep on it i get up i go in i drive out to disney ranch i do this scenes whatever kill get big laughs then i um then i drive back to my apartment in studio city order a pizza because i'm going home the next day and i finally finished the day and i got my hair all greased back and then mike shoemaker calls me and goes hey lauren wants you back and i go i know i just finished shooting i'm coming in the morning because it was a lauren movie I go, I'm coming back in the morning. He goes, no, he wants you on a red eye tonight. There's a car out front. I go, shut the fuck up. I just got a pizza. So he goes, you better go. You don't, and I, the whole life at SNL, you don't want to get fired. So I take a few bites, get back in the car, go back to the airport. 
they need you at the studio at 10 a.m. So I land, I go to the studio. It's a John Goodman show. There's no one in the studio. I go, wait, no one even comes in till one. What am I fucking doing? So I just walk around. Then I go back home and no one ever mentioned it. And I'm like, wow. what's happening? You so, are a Christian so, martyr. Great story. We, no, we'll cut it out. Um, <laughs> I tried to talk them out of that. I was in New York at the office. And I go, don't make David come all the way back. For no, that. it was but you I, on the phone acting like shoemaker. Going, I, I was trying to help. Um, <laughs> David will come back and then he'll go back. Um, and then he'll come back again. It's, it's we'll drive 36 him fucking hours. crazy. It's called a trifecta. <laughs> my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets nutritionally balanced uh it's made from human grade ingredients safe clean kitchens all that stuff matters yeah i mean you love your dog why why get the lousy food for your dog farmer's dog is the best traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed sometimes dogs much lower quality yeah <laughs> you you put it in their bowl and they go what is this kibble and they knock it away what is this canned goo Oh, yeah, I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, so Farmer's Dog isn't just no. higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And it's just one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat Mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't matter (laughs) if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at Farmer's Dog dot com slash fly let the farmer's dog know we sent you use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box michael mckean is um humble so i i know what it's like to get compliments but i have to say this scene that you did because i looked it up on the on the stand we have chuck mcgill with the electric magnet paranoia thing and you're i mean you 
I mean, that that's as good as it kind of gets, I think, mm. for film acting. I mean, what did you think of that scene? Did you ever look at it? Did you know you were in the pocket? Did Odenkirk <laughs> try to ruin takes that oh, were yeah, really good? It. You know how Bob is. That's, yeah, that's no, he's going too fast. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I knew, I, I got called. I was in New York. I was in New York and I got, I, I was doing a, a show, a play in New York. No, I wasn't at this point, but I was in New York and uh, <clears throat> the director of the show, Dan Sackheim, the director of that episode called and he says, you want to talk about this? And I thought, oh, does that mean it's going to be hard? And he said, well, have you looked at it? And I said, yeah, it's a ton of stuff and it's a, it's a big, it's like a four page speech basically. And he says, well, how do you want to shoot this? And I said, oh, I don't know. I mean, just what's good. I, I, I didn't kind of understand what he was asking me. He says, because it's going to be some long days. And then I realized, well, that scene is going to take like three days. And so uh, we, it, listen, it, it, it worked out because I, you know, I, I learned the lines, beat myself up and got the lines down. But I'm, I'm not too bad about lines. And then I, I knew and what it was about. it's in that archetypal, if that's a word. Yeah. You melt down. You take yourself from being fairly together like Captain Queen. It is Captain Queen. Sure. You know, and then. And then you lose you you're losing it slowly and pacing it. So I'm just my question is how much is technique and how much is just you you you're the guy and you're not really thinking you're just being playful because it seems like it'd be hard to break all those moments down yeah. when they're filming. You just have to be. You just felt so in the pocket. I don't know. It's just my thing. I liked it a lot. That's I, all. I'm thank saying. you very much. Thanks. No, no. It was it was a really good uh, it was a good show. It was a good experience and. Uh, you know, Bob is kind of heroic. And I met Bob when we were doing SNL. Uh, and it was, I mean, he was just there occasionally. He wasn't writing on the show. But he was, I think he was seeing Janine. Is that possible? Anyway, Ooh. there were some, oh, I, I don't. Garoppolo? Tales out of school. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> but, Ooh. no, I knew that, I think they used to go out. I don't know. But I met him a couple of times there. But I never really, really worked with him until this, mm -hmm. until Better Call Saul. And when, you know, when they cast me in it, he called me up and he said, this is great news. We're going to have such a good time. And we did. We, uh, we you know, kind of fell right into it, into this relationship. And what we did was informing, and we didn't know it, was informing the writers. And it kind of gave them a lot of inspiration. Hey, you know what could happen here? And they it it helped them find a way for those characters to become to 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 get into a genuine conflict um anyway smart writers you work with smart writers they're wide open to everything yeah and vince gilligan and and peter gould and tom schnauz and jennifer uh um last name <laughs> uh, uh yeah hamilton just think henderson <laughs> that's her that's her last name jennifer last name jennifer last name um, yeah story Bob anyway, said one of the, maybe you can relate to this. Um, Bob said the funniest, the hardest I've ever laughed on this podcast about SNL and stuff is that, you know, you know, people when they're younger and Bob was just a fledgling writer in the eighties. And, um, but we wrote a movie together called Tucson, a comedy Western stuff like that. So, and Bob is going along with, with his career and then, and then breaking bad comes and then better call Saul. And when he came on the podcast, he goes, he goes, then he does the action movie, Nobody, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, he yeah. thought to himself, 
if this if this lands, because we know Bob as the the fledgling writer in the eighties that are at our core, he goes, he said to us, I know if this landed, you guys would be sitting at home going, what the fuck? <laughs> and <laughs> we now weren't. he's an action star? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's not all. only <laughs> an Academy Award winning type actor, now yeah. he's an action star. Yeah. That made me laugh so hard. Well, if you could, do you ever play that, the, the time machine game, the time machine game where you see somebody <clears throat> on the screen and they're doing something kind of second rate and you know that their career is about to take off. You want to get in a time machine and say, don't worry, this is going to be fine. <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to get Martin Scorsese is going to put you in a movie. It's going to be amazing. And I play that game a lot. Uh, but there was a movie called, oh God. Oh, what was it called? Capricorn One. And it was about the faking, yes. the faking of the moon landing. Oh, so if yeah. you could go Fake back in landing. time. Yeah, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Yeah. Simpson, go back in time and you say, okay, Jim Brolin, you're going to be married to the ex-wife of Elliot Gould, who is standing right next to you in this shot. And <laughs> oh, O.J., wow. oh, O.J., oh, yeah, 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 we'll get back to you later, <laughs> O.J., yeah. yeah. You'll you'll see. It'll be exciting. It'll be, Keep doing see. what you're doing. No one will talk about anyone <laughs> but you for years. <laughs> you're going to be so famous. Oh, yeah. So famous. Yeah. Man. All right. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank That's, you. I, Unless Dana has something else to tell you, we might let you go. You've been, you've struggled with um, us enough. It's very nice. Of well, you guys are very important to me. I, I you. love your attitude. You're important to me because- I'm very important to you. Yes, yes because you. it you're proof that blondes can be funny. <laughs> we all are, it's right? true. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Three blondies. Well, that blonde, blonde, blonde. Blonde yeah. on Were blonde Were you a toehead as a child? Uh, it was hard to tell because I always had a crew cut. Yeah, I was a bristly little blonde crew cut. Yeah. Pretty sad. <laughs> me too. Hated it. Hated having a crew cut in the 60s. Studley in that SNL monologue in 85 killed him. You betcha. It wasn't my sweater. Looking skinny. Good job. I don't say this with all of our guests, but some. But what I would say to you is what can't he do? Yeah. I don't know. Do? I can't sleep. He will host a show. He, will... <laughs> he can't sleep, Dana. No. No. <laughs> it's called Ambien. Hello? I got it. No. I'll, I'll listen. Are Am you, uh, are you a night owl? Yeah, half an ambient is fine. I, that's what I do at night. Yeah, not a whole one. Come no, on. a whole one, then you got to deal um, with it the rest of the day. Your mind's going like this, right? Yeah, I mean, I all assume got that. the we creative all got that. juices, and how do you sleep? Yeah. If, yeah. It's so hard to sleep for me because well, I'm so smart. Well, thank you for coming on our sh okay. our humble show, Michael. <laughs> Listen, it's been, very, uh, been a lot of fun, and uh, I had to get up anyway. <laughs> so here I am. Now they're shifting our little <laughs> pictures around. All right, boys. Thank you, bud. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please follow, subscribe, leave a like, a review, all the stuff, smash that button, whatever it is, wherever you get your podcasts. Fly on the Wall is executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Jenna Weiss-Berman of Odyssey, Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment, and Heather Santoro. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman. <laughs>